Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Robin, and this week on Books That Burn, we are discussing Scavenge the Stars by Tara Sim. Yes. Uh, uh, we're doing this or- one slightly unusual, but it's a thing we have done before when we've had a particular discussion about it. We are only covering two topics, and we are going to make this about 15 minutes per topic instead of aiming for 10. I realize we don't always do a good job of those time constraints, but we're going to intentionally make <laughs> these ones a little bit longer. So... Yeah, so for our factions, we have Silverfish slash Amaya, Roach, Countess Yama, Kao, Boone, Liesel, and Bass or Sebastian. Our first, our first topic is debt slavery, specifically child debt slavery, though we are told that um, this is also happening to adults. Right. Um. But in the the book does call this out, like, specifically part of what is um, unique about the situation of children being in debt slavery is that in basically all the cases, they aren't the ones who got in debt. Um, they are sold to pay someone else's debt, usually their parent. Uh, and that is the opening of the book is that um, Silverfish who was um, renamed Silverfish when she got onto the boat. Uh, otherwise, she is Amaya. And um, just even that, like, stripping of her identity, like, happened as soon as she got on the boat. So I don't know if you had, like, specific other things you wanted to bring up for this, because I, I do have some thoughts. Yeah. Uh, uh, how spoiler-free are we going to do this? How spoiler free are we trying to be? Um, because you were cagey with our notes. Yeah, I didn't want um anyone who tuned in for the factions list to get spoilers. But at this point, okay, we're about to spoil some stuff because otherwise we can't really talk about the book. 
So spoilers are going to abound from here on out. Okay. In that case, um, I think that the way this is talked about in the book, particularly with our two point of view characters, is very well done and very interesting because our, we have two characters who are kind of calling each other out for this, but neither of them is actually a perpetrator. <laughs> And I find that very good and very funny because they're they're trying to hold each other accountable in a weird way. They're not actually like friends yet. So they're not really they're not really actually holding each other accountable. It's just a call out. But both of them have the other person accuse them of being part of this group and have an internal reaction of what? How dare you? I would never. Ah, but you are. And they're like, what? Me? Are you? Sh-? No. But they never actually communicate and explain anything until the very end because there wouldn't the plot wouldn't work the way it does if they actually communicated um but it's it's very funny to me because amaya is not employing but is being employed by alongside with other children that escaped the same ship that she did and so we have our we have our ko character who is seeing these children working in amaya's like manor house that they are using to do their schemes and goes well you know at least I'm better than you because I don't do that and Amaya is like these are my friends how could you how dare you accuse me of this and then you know Amaya is assuming that he is selling children onto a ship and he's you know over here like I would never (laughs) my father did what how could I how could he like it, it's it's very very good it's very funny it's very miscommunicating in a way that's not intended to be comic relief which is very good but also it's just amusing to see like the kind of the ways they kind of dance around accusing each other of the things that you know they that everybody else is doing it also means that at certain points we have countess yama and Kao arguing over who is enslaving Amaya. Yeah. Yeah, which is very good. Who, who, who is Countess Yama? Like, not that Ko like, knows about her individually, but just, like, they're talking about the boat that she was on. And so, like, she was right. part of by... She was, like, part of, like, uh, this other person, Boone, like, buying it, like, under her name and through, like, sneaky whatever to to buy it so that those kids wouldn't still be enslaved. But the fact that she bought it to get them out means that what Ko sees is that she bought it. Right. And then he's like, you, you know, you're judging me for gambling, but you just bought a boat of children. And she's like, "Ah, I can't talk to you about why Uh, you're wrong. Um, Look over there. Yeah, don't don't look too closely at my quote unquote misdeeds. You'll notice that I'm actually not doing that thing. Yeah, um, he's like, oh no, you've like children working for you, and she's like, I what did you want? She's like, what well, first you... of all, I am child. Secondly, like both of you are seventeen. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, like we know Amaya is, and I'm pretty sure like Ko is either the exact same age or pretty close to it. Yeah, probably within a couple um, years older at most. He's certainly not younger. Uh, but yeah, so um, we get just enough of the debt slavery 
and like the specific conditions on the boat to establish like in case you had any doubt this is really bad uh what kinds of things are happening and like how much of a monster this person is but it, the text doesn't really like um linger on that actual setting um yeah it it establishes it really well establishes what it does for amaya as a character and also um okay i think when we get to the our next topic i do want to spend a little bit of time talking about this like as a retelling because like the the debt slavery this is just like a different way of getting to um you know, like the similar circumstances from the original book. Right. Uh, when we get into the betrayal is when things get very interesting for this as a retelling in like a really, really good way. Ah, but staying on the debt slavery. Um, there's like a lot of stuff going on in this with like money. Um, and like the I'm trying to put together this thought. Um, just like the the very arbitrary way that they are kept on the boats longer because like they're sold for like some specific time and some specific debt but like you know the 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 slaver on the boat will like say, oh, oh just you know you ripped totally the net. randomly you, ripped ah, the net. you you made a face at me today 10 more dollars yeah just you well or which is like another day they owe or whatever. Right. Um, I, I mean, reading so, it, like, I was assuming from the beginning of the book, because uh, I've not read it before, I was assuming that they would never get off the book and that there would just be a mutiny and they would like kill the captain. That was my assumption because it very much reads as a, no one actually ever buys their way off. They either die or he keeps them there for eternity. I'm assuming that no child actually before Amaya, whoever uh quote unquote paid off their debt actually survived and left the ship i'm assuming that just straight up didn't ever happen oh you think like something happened and they were like just sent somewhere else oh i think he just kills them i think he's just short let me take you ashore smack dead in the water i'm assuming because to be, to, they wouldn't to want be clear, them to actually escape and text. also but they want them to seem to escape so that everybody else will keep working <laughs> well i guess the thing that will answer that is if we read book two and I mean, not for the episode, obviously, right. but like, you know, when I read book two, if we um, meet one of the characters who she's mentioned by name, like several right. times, um, I mean, as but one meet of the them and they're not conscripted into debt. the army and they're not enslaved right. somewhere else and they're not in debt by themselves because, you know, like they're they haven't exactly. been passed off, essentially. Yeah, but no, I would totally, I, I don't think it, to me, it would not make sense if they're just getting killed. But like, if they're like, oh, your debt slavery is up, time to go be conscripted into the army. Right. Which like, we know happens to at least one person. Um, Like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if like in book two, we find out that like, that's the next part of the system. Um, I I do think, though, that like the adults at least must actually get loose. Otherwise the way that everyone talks about the boats would be very different. 
Uh, I mean, like if not even the adults ever got out. I mean, I'm sure they get um, out, maybe, or maybe they don't, and maybe you never know because this one town is so small that if people never make it yeah. back, it's not really that much of a notable thing. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like that is that is speculation. Like we don't know, but yeah, you know, if it turns out, like in book two, like we find out. Be like, ah, Nicole, Nicole called it. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's going to be like Yeah, that. I mean, I'm, I I don't have any actual proof. It's just that was the way it was reading, especially with the, the arbitrary way that money was added or subtracted from their sentencing. Like, uh-huh. there's no reason to think that the captain would give up labor that way. Like, there's right. no actual contract. There's no actual law. There's just him telling the children that you owe me this much money. And that this is how you can pay it off. Like, there's no, there's no reason to think that oh, yeah. anybody actually escapes in a in a real coherent, consistent way. We'll see. I'll report report back to to you, Nicole. At least, mm-hmm. uh, we'll see. Um, you ready for betrayal? I am ready for betrayal. Always, constantly. <laughs> to betrayal okay so this is a retelling of the count of monte cristo which i didn't realize until they mentioned until i looked at the afterward yeah uh yeah this is part one of a duology which is a count of monte cristo retelling um i if you've read the count of monte cristo or are familiar with any of the other adaptations you're aware that betrayal is like a, a big it's a thing it's a big thing we're going to talk about the form that betrayal takes here, and that is going to necessitate spoiling this book and what it does, which is, for a host of reasons, not identical to uh, the inspiration material. So, if you don't want this book's version of the twists and turns spoiled, uh, there's a bunch of betrayal and we'll catch you in the wrap-up. <laughs> There's a bunch of betrayal, and we will tell you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, you know, come back here after you've read the book. Um, if you're not worried about that, and you're interested in what, like, some other version of it did, cool. It just, this is the point at which this becomes a very different story than the original, in some fantastic ways. Like, I really love what they did. Um, it's just different. So, uh, all right. So with the betrayal, um, we have some like switchbacks and some back and forths over like exactly what happened because Amaya's mom did sell her. But then we have like the double switchback of she wasn't trying to sell her to the place she actually got sold. She was trying to sell her in like a different way. And somebody the hench person in the middle like didn't follow directions. So her, okay, her mom but wasn't trying she didn't, to put well, her She wanted on... her to be on the ship instead of in the manor. That was deliberate. No, I thought it was that. No, because well, if she's she... in the manor, she's now collateral and that, f- and the family, Kao's family, his dad can force her to do things, force her dad to hand over evidence and trade for their daughter if she's on the right. ship, she's not collateral anymore. She's gone. 
Yeah, so my read of it had been that the person in the middle decided to do something different, but no, no, I the agree. Mom, the text mom gave okay. him her ring, which is expensive as a bribe, in order to send her daughter to his ship instead of the manor. Oh, okay, okay, that makes sense. That fits. Okay, yeah, it's 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 a bit twisty, but that what I remember does support that reading, and you're probably right. I mean, um, I can pull I just, pages and quotes for you. That, that's how like, that's how his sister ended up with her mother's ring because yeah. her dad took it from the seller from the intermediary oh because uh, he was angry oh. he was like ah fine i'm taking this and then his sister picked like, it oh, up and don't... then kept it and then yeah okay 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 no i yes you're right that makes sense because i hadn't totally understood what was happening there okay but the oh you don't even get to keep your bribe yes that makes sense okay i understand um yes so mom said that she was going to send him to the manor as collateral and then bribed someone to put her on the debt slave ship instead um so but like emotionally like um, amaya like Oh, she's got a lot of twisty, complicated feelings about her mom. For she she goes through a lot of um, how dare you? Oh, I get it. Ah, how dare you again? Ah, okay, fine. Ah, like back and forth. You betrayed me. Oh, but it was to save me. Oh, but you betrayed me a different way. Oh no, like just over and over and over. Yeah, again. yeah. And then um, so like the with like the the very complex. There's a even more complicated set of betrayal stuff that's happening with Ko. Uh, and like his connection to all this because um, at first he thinks that the slumlord is I don't remember if he's slumlord or slum king what the honorific was um, but anyway uh, yeah he he thought that that person who's like in charge of all this like gambling and stuff and the crime uh a bunch of it at least he thought that that person was the one counterfeiting money and then he thinks that it's his dad counterfeiting money and then he's told that no it was amaya's dad who is now dead who was the one counterfeiting money but it's like no no it it was his dad it it I was mean, his dad it was but like, it was with all the, like it was kind his of his dad, dad it was kind of boone it was kind of the slum king they were all kind of like it it's complicated <laughs> yeah it, it it's a great big old conspiracy and they're all lying to protect their own interests even if it means sacrificing everybody else in the conspiracy which means like there's a lot of fly- lies flying in a lot of directions and in terms of betrayal ultimately it means that Amaya doesn't actually have this big fortune that Boone handed her so she could pretend to be count- Countess Yama instead him having her pretend to be the countess was just one like step in his counterfeiting money and being really rich scheme um because like all the money that like he gave to amaya and the other freed kids to spend and use like 
it was pretty much all fake. And any of it that wasn't fake was just real money that came in when, like, they got change or whatever for fake money. Like, it was mostly fake. Um, mostly counterfeit. And there's just, like, a bunch of back and forth and lies and betrayal and stuff. And in terms of... Because, like, the idea of betrayal and revenge is central to a Count of Monte Cristo story. And I I love, I love the new version here because I, like, I am in the middle currently. I don't, I, I don't know if I still will be by the time the episode comes out, but I'm currently in the middle of, like, taking my time and rereading The Count of Monte Cristo over several months. I love it. Rereading, you know, the unabridged version. It's a great time. It's over a thousand pages and I'm going to happily enjoy it from, like, January or February to like maybe June. Right. It's, it's going to be a great time. Right. And I love this story. And I got to be surprised by what happened here. Because I was like, oh, like, you know, I already know that Countess Yama is going to be a Maya based on like the names and stuff. Um, You know, that twist is obvious. But that... That wasn't the twist. That was the, we know you read the other book. We got <laughs> yeah. you. Cool stuff happening. Um, yeah, so just, I, I really like what it did with it. So I'm not, I don't know how much you care about and or love the original. Uh, uh, I, I have a favorite, so. I have a favorite movie version, but I am okay. not the one who reads retellings because I like retellings, so. That's me. But yeah, with the... I really like how as soon as Amaya found out who was arrested, she knows that it was K.O. Yeah. Doing well, because some he betrayal kind of, told of his her. own. Yeah. Yeah, no, no. I. Uh, but in terms of like her thinking about him and about his moves, I don't know, just with where they are in whatever relationship they have to each other at that point, I, I liked that she's like, oh, well, cause, cause also she had kind of decided she didn't want to like use him to get to his father. And so she gives him advice that she thinks is completely devoid of that context and accidentally prompts him into doing the plan she had decided maybe she didn't want to do stuff for anymore. Um, and it kind of like still prompts him to do this betrayal of his own. Um, I do kind of feel the most bad for Ko's sister. Um, yeah, she's literally I... just an innocent bystander sitting there getting sick from the coins. Yes. Yep. Yep. Getting the plague. Oh yeah. Cause that's the other, like this is a, big spoiler um there there's a plague that has people sick and it's a whole thing and it's caused by the counterfeit money like something in the counterfeit money is making people sick and my general understanding is the people making the counterfeit money know this and are just still making and releasing the counterfeit money like they don't well, care Boone so, like knows it's it yeah yeah, Boone knows for sure. We don't know necessarily whether the others know. 
uh, whether the others in the conspiracy are aware. But yeah, so like, it's not just the financial effects that printing counterfeit money has on an economy. Um, There's also like, political implications that are like, kind of described we don't spend very much on the politics it's kind of like in the background of like the kingdom level politics are going to affect these people's lives and so like kind of the background we have a slow tick of like oh this has changed this has changed this has changed oh those changes you weren't paying attention to for the whole book those are gonna probably do something really really big in the second half of this and it's gonna really matter um, it's okay if you weren't worrying about it yet. It's the other shoes are going to drop. Um, yeah, like the money is literally making people sick. And also the thing that I was thinking of is that means that all of their quarantining is pointless. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's completely, completely pointless. So like just all of that. And so if the people that they're trading with, I assume we're still getting paid in money, um, is just going to pre- spread the plague further. And because it's these coins, it means they're going to have to like go through. The only way to get rid of it is going to be to go through like all of the money and, and like test them and get rid of it. And that's going to be, if they decided to do that, that would be a major, just a major operation that I don't know if like this setting like has the infrastructure to accomplish it. And I don't think, hey, we need to put your money in alcohol and find out if it's going to give you plague. Like, I don't think that's going to inspire people to try and help get it fixed. Right. Like, um, well, and also this is explicitly targeting the rich. Yeah, because they're the ones who would have gold money. money. Yeah. So, like, on the one hand, it would take a lot of effort. On the other hand, everybody who would have been exposed has probably been exposed a lot. And also, those are the people who could probably pull off checking all their money, but also maybe don't want to, except except for the illness. Like, if ash fever was not a thing, they probably wouldn't want to check their money to see if it's counterfeit, because they want to keep their money. So it's it's kind of a a layered, like, what will you do next thing. <laughs> Hey, if they're rich enough, they might not have to physically handle their money. Oh, I'm themselves. not saying physically handle it. They don't want to lose money if it's counterfeit. No, no, no. What what I mean is that like it might not feel like it'll keep hurting them to like have the counterfeit gold pass through their coffers. Right. That's if, what like, I'm saying. They yeah. aren't. Yeah, yeah. If they aren't going to actually touch it and get sick. Yes. Okay. We're on the same page. Yeah. I. I just really love all the like the layers. Like, the, the, oh, no, you're actually the one who metaphorically and or literally stabbed me in the back. Oh, no, it was you. Like, that did make it, like, a little hard to follow, as you can tell. Oh, really? Um, For me, it was just a little bit. It also was very late last night when I was finishing this book. Um, (laughs) Well, part of it was, like, because of how much I've read The Count of Monte Cristo, I was thinking it was going to be something different. And so I had been, like, mentally mapping it onto, like, the story I know. And so the more I had to, like, be like, oh, no, they're doing a different thing. Oh, they're doing it. Okay, they're doing so many different things that, like, it's just a completely different story at this point. Which is great. It just, like, 
made it a little trickier with how my memory works. Hi, I'm Matt, a.k.a. Stormageddon, and I'm the host of CPOV Autographs at CertainPOV.com. It is a bi-weekly interview series where I interview folks from all over the arts, from writers to comedians to magicians to musicians, even actors, historians, podcasters, pretty much anyone who's willing to chat with me for a little bit. If you like interesting conversations with even more interesting people, go to CertainPOV.com or wherever you get your podcasts. And remember, music is life and life is good. On to the wrap-up and ratings. As you may notice, we only had two topics this episode um, because they were, like, so all-encompassing that we just uh, focused on those two rather than trying to find a third. So, our topics uh, for the gratuity rating for debt slavery. Um, I think it's, it's either moderate or severe. Um... Oh, I think it's severe. Okay. Especially with the physical depictions that we get of that actually happening and how the kids are treated. Yeah. Okay. I'm good with going with severe. It's just like, I could think of ways it could have been like more severe, but that doesn't stop it from being severe. Oh, we could make it worse, but that's not. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Then betrayal. Um, Also severe. Yeah. There's like only because there's so many layered betrayals happening to the main characters over and over and over that it 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 adds up. I don't I think you could make cases for individual ones, but I think as a whole it it racks up to severe. Otherwise, we'd probably say it was moderate, maybe. And kind of like the like emotional whiplash of like them repeatedly having to try to figure out how yes. to reinterpret past actions yeah exactly in light of all of everything and they don't have the benefit of like looking back a hundred pages to see what happened right um yeah so uh integral interchangeable or irrelevant um integral i feel both, actually well yeah betrayal is absolutely integral i was gonna say that the Dead slavery is interchangeable. It could have been a different kind of slavery, but um, uh, but then we would have had to set up different things as threats on the mainland. Mm-hmm. Like maybe it would be interchangeable from Amaya's perspective, but then you would have had to have a different reason for uh, certain threats to be made and. Like there, there, it would have changed the structure, it, and it would you would have had to substitute not just one thing. You would have had to substitute in multiple explanations for other things. Yeah, because like a lot of characters' motives are fueled by no, yeah. no, no. They have child debt slavery. I mean, and and like we said, the- this I don't mm-hmm. think is a spoiler because we're focusing. Mm-hmm. We just said debt slavery. This is adults too. Like it's not just kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I I I think it's integral because it is so. It, it is the reason and the threat behind so many things that mm-hmm. are not linked to each other. We can't just swap okay, out I, another kind of slavery and say close enough because it doesn't track for everything. Yeah, I do agree that like the 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 monetary and social implications um, yeah, exactly. have structured their society around this and the threat of it. Okay, nope, that's fine. Yep, integral. Uh, 
treated with care, uh, the debt slavery. I think showing us I think no. only 24 <laughs> hours of a seven-year thingy um, is maybe not enough. I wouldn't go as far as no. Oh, really? But it did seem like it was like trying. It's like, here's a, here's like a snapshot of, hey, look, believe me, this was really bad. Here's some of the really bad. Okay, the plot is moving on now. Because remember, like, you were saying that you uh, thought that they I mean, were going to stay on, I mean, the plot moved on, like, the, the characters boat. did not. Okay, good point. Yeah. So you like, think I, no? I, I, I'm not saying the author didn't try. Uh-huh. But I think, I, I think it was, I think it was no, but I don't think that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that was, I think the way it was portrayed was intentional. Yes. Yeah. And also, like, like you said, this is a Count of Monte Cristo retelling. That is not a story uh-huh. that protects anybody. <laughs> yeah. So, like, I, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's that the author tried to protect the readers and failed. I think it's that the author was very deliberate on how much to show where to make their point. Um, oh, but I, I still think that I, means it, it's not treated with care. Okay, that's cool. We can say no. I, I just, it's definitely deliberate. And I'm glad we're in agreement on oh, that. Oh, yeah. No, I um, fully, fully agree. Yeah. All right. So no for that. And then betrayal, like, yeah, no. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, also, because like, shock value in the reveal is like part of the reveal. Yes. Yes. Um, then. All right, the moral directionality. I think this is maybe uh, the most clear-cut example of Tangled we will ever get. Yeah. (laughs) Which I think is amazing. (laughs) I was going to say maybe it's muddy, but no, no. like No, 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 it's Tangled because we think we're supposed to, we think we know what's happening over and over and over and over and over and over. Us and the characters find out that actually, no, you're missing a part. And then every time they find out the part that they're missing, they have to like, like reevaluate and, like, everybody else. And it's not always exonerating characters. Sometimes it's making them worse and then better and then worse and then just over and over <laughs> and over and over. It's incredibly tangled, but you think you know what's going to happen and then it doesn't and it kick flips. And I think that's yep. that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. All right. Point of view for the trauma and aftermath. Um, so we have two narrators. Mm-hmm. And so and nobody else. We, yep, just two narrators. Um, so it's for the trauma and aftermath. They both have to deal with betrayal. Um, only one of them was in the debt slavery. Um, so we do get the perspective of the person who was enslaved, right? Uh, as well as someone who just like knows of it as like a thing that happening right but Um, we do get both of their yep both of their thoughts on it all right uh the trope spotter uh for this time is moving the goalposts uh because on the ship it was like all right you've been sold for this amount and here's your contract for exactly how long you spent on the ship oh you you ripped a net um one more month. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh mm, you didn't you didn't bring me enough pearls. Oh no, you looked at me the wrong way. Guess I'm gonna keep you here for ten more years. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that's all we can say without getting into severe spoiler territory. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. But just like, you know. Oh, you mean the tool that you were using to use to do for like the job that you're doing uh, broke? Mm, that's going to cost you. That was my tool. You're going to have to pay for it and its replacement. Like, yeah, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. The only thing that stops this from being a company town feeling would be that that would, if it were a company town thing going on, that would mean they'd have a town. They don't have a town. <laughs> uh, but yeah, otherwise some similar vibes there. All right. Favorite non-traumatic thing about the book. Um, I really liked the bit where like they're telling each other stories. Hmm. Okay. Um, and we only kind of get the stories because the point isn't like exactly what the story was. The point is like the connection of them telling it to each other. Um, and then connected to that, I really like the um, chapter heading quotes with like the snippets from stories from various cultures um, that are around. Like there's some stuff from the Rain Empire. There's like there's you know stuff from this book about gambling. There's just like a lot of really fun like world building things um, from different places. And so I ha- I had been in well it's my favorite thing is that I I had been enjoying all those quotes and then Amaya tells Kao one of those stories and I'm like oh oh cool so like they're not just like flavor text they're like in the book in this more meaningful way right what was your thing uh I really like. The descriptions of combat instruction that she's given. I'm not going to really say more than that. Uh, Amaya is taught how to fight with a knife. And I just like when the she is. We don't see it happening in real time. We see her like flashing back to aha. I did this thing like I was taught or whatever. This is how I was treated. But it it's it. They did a good job of describing it. And I thought that was fun. Yeah. Without, like, turning it into a training montage or something. Oh, yeah. No, they they didn't even attempt that. Instead, it just made it feel like, oh, yeah, she's doing the thing and also thinking about doing the thing. And then she's doing the thing. And it made sense. All right. Well, that'll do it for Scavenge the Stars by Tara Sim, which is a uh, the first book of a duology that is a Count of Monte Cristo retelling. So, uh... Thank you so much for joining us, and we will catch you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at Books That Burn at Yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at Kofi.com slash Books That Burn or becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon.com slash 
books that burn. All patrons get access to our upcoming book list bonus content, including the second half of all interviews, and will receive a one-time shout-out. To get updates on our written reviews, recent episodes, and newly completed transcripts, subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Pandora, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave us a review wherever you're listening. This helps people to find the show. Thanks for listening. We'll be back in two weeks.